If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. what it costs. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you can respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth. Welcome to Skiba News Nation. Bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba. Hey, Skiba News Nation family. Welcome to episode 38 of Skiba News Nation. I'm your host, Jeremiah Skiba, and today we're going to be talking about Jake's exclusive footage of Washington, D.C., Tucker Carlson, January 6th Truth, Russell Brand on the veil being lifted, the New World Order, and the U.N., the one obvious truth that the media doesn't want you to know. Why is Anthony Fauci not already behind bars? Huge signs of the Antichrist is ready to appear on the world stage. An all new Opus Corner, and for history, we're going to be talking about Tucker Carlson proving that Michael Jackson is still alive, George Carlin predicts today, and the PC police, and the dark side of mascotting. Also, is there a Skiba and a mascot connection? You'll have to find out. Memes and much more, so stay tuned. So like I said, we got a lot to talk about today, but as always, I'd like to introduce my great co-host, Jake Grant. Welcome, Jake. How you doing, Hey, man? Jeremiah doing great man we're back in the studio got back from our trip to washington dc the nation's capital uh a capital of a bunch of pretty much temples to dead people <laughs> um so I i'm excited to share some of that footage uh last week i had a, a couple pictures but i did promise to have uh some video footage that we can check out and and it's a great time to be able to show this too because just after our trip a bunch of footage came out revealing the truth of the January 6th riots that were compared to 9-11 and 9-11 all, 
oh man so uh we're gonna share some of those clips and we got uh, some really great news stories this week uh really thought-provoking videos so uh, i'm excited to get into it all right me too that sounds exciting all right well let's dive right in So, as always, uh, here's what somebody with a small brain is believing. Scary media stories, right? <laughs> and then after they kind of develop their brain, they notice some inconsistencies in the mainstream media. And then they realize that uh, the mainstream media lies all the time. But yep. the super brain, you know, the, the cosmic revelation is actually finding humor in their pathetic attempts to manipulate you as a person. And that's what we like to do here at Skiba News Nation, right? Bring in some humor to some of these uh, conspiratorial uh, trappings that they're trying to set up against mankind, these these uh, plots against mankind. Uh, we can laugh at them. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's no reason to get down and depressed instead let's just kind of sift through what we can and uh leave the rest to the hands of the most high right absolutely so uh, we had a great trip to washington dc and we'll start off with some of the footage of my wife and i's journey exploring our nation's capital it was my first time actually going so let's check this out all right here we are in washington dc sierra and i just arrived at the airport and we're getting on the metro and we're going to be doing some exclusive special reporting from a variety of locations for our uh, Skiba News Nation uh, segment this week so hope you guys enjoy here we go on an adventure so if you guys can guess where we are we are in a very uh, memorable location, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, we're in Washington, D.C. Checking things out. I just wanted to make the comment that I think it's interesting that presidents are inaugurated right here, right? That's where, you know, they'll stand up and this whole field here will fill out. And directly across from it, you know, is the big Washington Monument. So... When we're all looking at that president who's being, you know, sworn in on the book, they're looking at this big obelisk, uh, just kind of like they're like, you know, pledging allegiance to uh, to, to the big obelisk there. <laughs> so we just got through the Smithsonian's Dinosaur Museum, and uh, our opinion is that the gemstones oddities are way more interesting. Very cool. Crazy. Yeah, the Smithsonian hey, look, was full of indoctrination. Cage. Hey, there's Joe Biden. There goes old Boo. Joe. Let's go, Brandon. Cool, we got to see it. <laughs> yeah. In the uh, That's cool. Aeronautical Museum, they had this old video clip from the early, uh, from the, like, 1900s. Of, so this early video clip of a globe before NASA had ever gone to the moon. So it's like the pre... 
We're entering into the Capitol building. Little blue marble clips. Wow. So apparently underneath this center point here that's roped off is where George Washington was supposed to be buried. So this whole place is meant to be his tomb. But he's, uh, he's not buried there, it's empty. So this is the tombstone of George Washington that's empty, and that's the center of the city. That's very creepy. Here we go, walking up from the foundations to... So where I was, that room, Capitol is directly Rotunda. underneath wow. the Capitol Rotunda. Um, and then, of course, you'll see all the paintings. And yeah. Washington up there on the ceiling here in a moment. Lots of police here. Oh, the Capitol Police. Those are, yeah, those are the guys that let There's everybody the in. On the of George Washington. <laughs> Why does that pose look so familiar? And who are all those people up there with like them? The, the Baphomet wow. hand up pose. Yep. So during the tour, they made sure to mention the January 6th invasion. So very interesting. I Which thought it was crazy. ironic. It was literally yeah. part of the tour. That is crazy. Propaganda for sure. Makes me wonder if they do it for every tour group just keeping on more propaganda. Oh, the terrible January 6th riots were in this room. People were orderly walking in lines through this great hall. How terrible, you know. I can't anymore. Hey, it's my long-lost ancestor. It's a statue of General Grant. <laughs> it looks like all the media is recording audio with phones. That's hilarious. No cameras are allowed, so all the media the of the records Look at that. the Congress and Senate <laughs> members with their phones, which I thought was really Yeah, but Congress is in session. That's why so many people are here. Guess that's the door everybody broke in through. Going in, oh my goodness. Footsteps of January 6th. Yeah, I was like, we're in, we're in a place of history. The January well, 6th riots happened here. Our senator <laughs> for Kentucky, Not that any Rand other history Paul, was important. And uh, no. this is his office door. I guess he had COVID or something. Who? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> so had we're gonna his go office try to find sealed up. Almost like it was in quarantine or something. Well, we just uh, went It was being renovated, so we had to walk and, all around. Uh, we walked past Ted Cruz. Oh, that cool. cool. You saw like, uh, Ted Cruz? You know, yep, we walked right past him. He looked me in the eyes. Figured you'd appreciate oh, that, yeah. Jeremiah. Quickly looked away so he didn't have to talk to me. The Senate office building, and I find a really big piece of indoctrination just right there. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. I so think big. that's where Ashley Babbitt was shot. Just got to make sure everybody knows. NASA lies. Wow. So this is where all the people were. We're here at the Library of Congress. And this is a place I really loved the going to the well. library. Lots of books I'd like to inquire. You can sign up for a reader's card to do research in one of the rooms. So I'm going to look into that. I wonder if they have any ancient biblical texts that I could get my hands on uh, that are hard to find, maybe online still. But, uh, you enjoying it, Sierra? What do you think about this place? Beautiful architecture. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. How much taxpayer money keeps this place going? I don't know. 
is Thomas Jefferson's library. All the books that he had used. I talked to that lady on that Zoom call for like 10 minutes asking her deep, you know, questions about the text contained there at the library. She she was pretty uh, pretty interesting. And then Sierra and I got a reader's card and went and did some research trying to find uh, some obscure, you know, extra biblical texts or something cool. Uh, I'd love to go back and just spend some time at the library, honestly. It was a really great experience. Got some DC yeah, protesters here. There with us. Maybe we could all go. Stop. Yeah, that'd be great. Gaschambers.org. <laughs> they were protesting to stop gas chambers. I guess Jewish people are, like, uh, probably wow. really grateful. I don't know. Cool. <laughs> I'm just kidding, uh, of course. Hey, look, it's George Washington's giant phallic symbol. With our Egyptian monumentation. We're in the Washington Monument. And that's the Abraham Lincoln Memorial. It all on a stage. I was so tempted to run around and, and tell Sierra, I'm on your left. I'm on your left from that one Marvel movie. <laughs> we went to Arlington, uh, uh, checked out the, the monument to the unknown soldier here, the grave. Hmm. Yeah, that's the Challenger gravestone. <laughs> they live on in their doppelgangers. And then we yeah. went and saw the Kennedy. They have the everlasting eternal flame. flame. Oh yeah, cool. Yep. Hey, we got the Admiral Byrd statue here. Wow, valiant leader of five Antarctic expeditions from 1928 to 1957, which revealed the secrets of half the great white continent hmm I wonder what the secrets were wow Richard Evelyn Bird and of course this guy from features heavily in your dad's research upon of course. the bright globe he carved his signature of courage I don't know man some of his research uh, points the other direction hey Fox News headquarters look at that Fox News is at 444. Is it really? Yeah. We are so tired of walking. There's so many, so many steps. And here we go. Yeah, you pretty much have to walk and walk and walk to get around. It's all pretty close, though, but tiring. I think our favorite memorial is the Thomas Jefferson and followed by the Lincoln, but... This one seemed less like a temple and more like a memorial. The, the uh, Abraham Lincoln one definitely seemed more uh, temple-like, but it was pretty monolithic and huge, awe-inspiring. And then I met somebody very interesting. I just wanted to say, I'm here in the nation's capital. I'm at Capitol Hill. I'm making So this it is happen. a famous crypto XRP YouTuber. Army. Let's go. <laughs> I ran into. Guess where I am. Then we were at the aeronautical space stand. It's our way out to the airport. Very cool. Oh, so that's our journey to the nation's capital. Uh, had some fun experiences there. Got to really uh, understand 
why it takes so much taxpayer money to keep that place running. I mean, I mean, all uh, the museums are free, but if you said they're full of propaganda, that would not surprise me at all. I mean, oh, definitely. the The Smithsonian was the worst. Going into the first floor of the Smithsonian, everything's uh, you come from monkeys, and you know, here's all your millions and millions of years of indoctrination and uh we really enjoyed more of the practical museums like the like i shared the the big gem rock and uh the gemstone yeah. part of the museum we really enjoyed looking at all that kind of stuff that's very uh, cool. and we also enjoyed the art museums going through and kind of contemplating throughout the ages the, you see the reflecting really pool? rare art uh uh, the reflecting pool in front of the Abraham Lincoln Memorial was mm -hmm. empty, so it was all bone dry. Now, is that the one uh, that, that Forrest Gump was? Jenny! That scene? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> I, I was hoping it would have water, but of course, I guess they drained it. Um, so, now after sharing our journey to uh, Washington, D.C. And, and seeing kind of our nation's capital where the historic event of January 6th happened. Uh, we have, of course, right after we got home, all the breaking news as the story uh, that we all very much suspected was the case came to light. And it just showed how one-sided the liberal propaganda uh, using that event to attack Donald Trump, to attack conservatives, uh, is it's just it, more than meets the eye, of course, with what was publicized on mainstream media. Uh, we got a picture here of Chuck Schumer uh, saying, Rupert Murdoch has a special obligation to stop Tucker Carlson from going on tonight and continuing to report the truth about J6. Uh, <laughs> Good luck with that. Try yeah, I know, right? The senator is trying to stop a journalist from exercising his First Amendment right because of democracy right? well that's a that's the uh, same senator that in waco was like they killed themselves same guy isn't that crazy he loves american yeah, it, people it, i mean this leads us right into the actual tucker carlson video which of course being in our circles we all already knew this was likely the case and yep. that they were just trampsing it up uh but the fact that they you know in all of these big speeches they would mention the the terrible and the prime evil of the January 6th riots. And then, of course, when you watch the footage, uh, it's a totally different story. So let's check out this Tucker Carlson special that they were trying to cover up. These are the pictures you've seen of January 6th. They're familiar because they've been playing on a loop on every media All the places that I just showed you guys we were at, years. too. There's yep. a reason for that. But it turns out there's quite a bit of video you haven't seen. And that video tells a very different story about what happened. Now, when I first saw this, 6th. it blew my mind. More than 40,000 hours of surveillance footage from in and around the Capitol have been withheld from the public. And once you see the video, you'll understand why. Taken as a whole, the video record does not support the claim that January 6th was an insurrection. In fact, it demolishes that claim. And that's exactly why the Democratic Party and its allies in the media prevented you from seeing it. By controlling the images you were allowed to view from January 6th, they controlled how the public understood that day. They could lie about what happened and you would never know the difference. Those lies had a purpose. 
They created a pretext for a federal crackdown on opponents of the Uniparty in Washington. Our office wanted to ensure that there was shock and awe that we could charge as many people as possible. The first thing you notice from viewing the full video record of January 6th is just how many people entered the Capitol building that day. Hundreds and hundreds of people, possibly thousands, over the course of about two hours. The crowd was enormous. A small percentage of them were hooligans. They committed vandalism. You've seen their pictures again and again. But the overwhelming majority weren't. They were peaceful. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists. They were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol. They obviously revere the Capitol. They're there because they believe the election was stolen from them. They believe in the system. Here's the man you've heard referred to as the QAnon shaman outside the Senate chamber. These are not rioters. These are people who wandered over from a political rally. We will not let them silence your voices. After the rally, they walked down Pennsylvania Avenue, where organizers had secured a federal permit to hold a legal rally on the grounds of the Capitol. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Once at the Capitol building, things began to get chaotic. Capitol police officers fired tear gas into the crowd. A few at the front of the herd broke windows. Someone opened the doors and many hundreds of others just walked in. They're gonna make that the story. Of course, they did make it the story. And at the center of it, the single most famous person arrested that day was a Navy veteran from Arizona called Jacob Chansley often referred to as the QAnon shaman. The so-called QAnon shaman. QAnon shaman. Someone named Q shaman. Jacob Chansley became the face of January 6th, a dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually They're every moment of his time building, inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The, the tapes show the, uh, that Capitol Police yeah, never the stopped for Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's I mean, video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th, the indisputable facts recorded on video, some of which has never before been seen, with the depiction of Jacob Chansley that you've seen in the media for more than two years. He's a terrorist, they said. He should be killed. Shoot him. Shoot him. Like, if if he was dressed like bin Laden, would he have shot him? Shoot him. Shoot him. It makes you wonder, who are the violent extremists here? Not Jacob Chansley. And the video proves that. 
but you would never have known from the media coverage. The people sitting in the chairs need to be sitting in a jail cell. Chansley is in a jail cell. He's been there for months. If he was in fact committing such a grave crime, why didn't the officers who were standing right next to him place him under arrest? Until now, no one could even prove that even happened, but it did. Of course, very telling footage that we are all very aware of what it was likely, <laughs> what the situation likely was uh, because they were so keen to just monopolize on this for political reasons, for the election time frame, uh, coming against Trump, uh, squelling any anti-election uh, interference investigations. Uh, this whole thing is just so telling. And, and walking in the steps of these people where they would have been just looking around and trying to, you know, have their voices heard, you know, it, it was well, just it is really the people's house. To me. That's the people's exactly. house, right? And, and it was just so interesting to me how in the tours they were continuing on the leftist propaganda of the dangerous January 6th event as if it was one of the most important parts of history that have happened in that building. Uh, okay, for real. The, That's insanity. It's, it's just a political machine pushing propaganda. And, and I think... We'll go back in a is, year and, and we'll see if they still have that, that, same, uh, that same way of, you know, if they still call January 6th an insurrection because that pretty much proves yep. that it wasn't. He's being too... I mean, there, there were eight officers around him. They could have surrounded him and captured him like, ushering him in did what? they go to jail probably not you know they were the ones helping these people in peacefully and uh anyways so i, I not to trump on a a topic that i know a lot of people are probably covering i know uh out there sometimes the focus on these mainstream political topics can be hyper focused like we can like become blinded sometimes by them so uh, I, but I just couldn't help it since we were there. We were in D.C. It's perfect and, timing. Uh, perfect timing. So uh, there has been a fantastic interview, um, of course. Uh, now, you got to kind of take it and take the spit out the bones and chew on the meat when it comes to uh, mainstream truthers like guys like Joe Rogan and Russell Brand. But Russell Brand has probably had the most – um, Awakening. Most blatant, uh, yeah, most blatant attack against mainstream media, pharmaceutical companies that has been ever allowed on the massive platform of Joe Rogan's podcast, right? So uh, that interview happened recently this week, and I wanted to show uh, two separate clips from that. This first clip uh, will be on. Uh, the corporate political establishment and how the veil is being lifted. I found it very interesting. Check this out. When we talk about what are the ideologies that drive us, the ideology of progress, this is why I have sometimes am skeptical, not about technology, the mastery and the geniuses that work in that field, but how technology and science as a subset of our economic ideology can create exactly the conditions that you are describing and that that journalist has exposed. That if your ideology permits that, then what kind of ideology is that? What kind of unconsciousness are we living in? It's not an awakened culture. And all of the discourse around, like, you know, how we treat one another as individuals and progressivism culturally and domestic territories, hey, people are, should be allowed to do this and that, it's all, it's nonsense. Right. If that 
that is permitted, not only permitted, required. It's a requirement. You cannot have that economic model without that price being paid. And as a culture, whether it's me as an individual or our entire culture, we've accepted that contract. We've accepted those terms. Well, we, we have in some areas of our life, for sure. You know, hopefully people haven't done that in their interpersonal, intimate relationships, but we certainly have in the way we communicate with others. We, we've certainly accepted, like, very bizarre ways of communicating online. And sometimes that bleeds out into real life, like where someone talks to people in the real world as if they're on Twitter and they get bashed. Yeah. Like, you, you see that sometimes. I think it's a it's a very strange time where we I don't think people have a, a lot of faith right now in institutions, and I don't think they have a lot of faith in authority. I don't think mm. they really believe that there is someone who is wiser than them that has a grand plan that's logical, that's that's workable where they're looking out for all of us so i think there's like a, a, a feeling of chaos that exists today that i don't think has ever existed in my life like this before even back during like the bush administration when they thought you know everybody thought bush was a moron they they still thought there's a good cabinet and they, they they're following all the checks and balances even though they're probably extracting too much money and they probably there's probably a lot of cronyism and a lot of undercover deals and a lot of like no big contracts with halliburton and that yeah. kind of nonsense he still thought they they have things pretty under control it's a very solid institution nobody believes that now you see pete Buttigieg and fucking kamala harris and and biden can't get a sentence out you're like this is madness these people are utter fools and these are the people that are running everything and these are the people that are getting us on the brink of war with russia and i don't have any faith in them and i think most people don't i think you're right and with the um that era of the cheney Bush, Wolf of its Rumsfeld. It felt like, oh, these are the Death Star bots. Yeah. What's happening is there's this risen up military industrial complex, Rand Foundation ideologues from the Republican right who were the sanctioned baddies back in those yeah. days are trying to uh, yeah, profit from the colonization of the Middle East. It's part of a new American project. We all understood it, but you know, from where I'm coming from, it was somehow recognizable. And a million people went on a march to prevent that yeah. war taking place because they knew there were no weapons of mass destruction, which we now know to be the truth. And as you say, now the figures that are in that place are sort of posing as the good guys, like affable and avuncular presidents and sort of friendly people of like you know, that across the identitarian spectrum that's meant to feel inclusive and Yeah, they're wrapping themselves up with progressive identity politics and then promoting a war. Yes. At the same time. It's very wild. Yeah, it feels like a, a, a mask and a veil. Like, this is what's interesting for me is like, as we navigate this new and emergent space of being able to prevent, present counter-narratives uh, and continually, like all of us now, of like experience, oh, you're a right-wing conspiracy theorist, you've joined the alt-right, you're a gateway to this, the dark yeah. right, all of that language that grows up around it. Like, that, this, and I've heard you speak about this obviously a lot, but like, the truth is that who isn't sympathetic? Who, anyone that's got family or loves someone is sympathetic to that people are going to have various types of identity around culture and religious expression and racial expression and uh, this is a conversation that the whole culture has to be involved in together. What my issue is, I don't think they believe in that stuff. I don't think they care. I don't think that they are creating an agenda to advance the interests of vulnerable people. I no. think they are using it as a distraction and a veil in order to carry on with the same kind of corporate and financial interests that have always determined what the establishment is. And if there's one thing we can point to in our lifetime, is that the liberal establishment has become co-opted by the same forces that traditionally we regarded the right to have been co-opted by military, yeah. industrial complex, financial industry. Yeah. And there's now, like, there's palpable evidence for that and in order to not acknowledge that that transition's taken place they're able to keep the cultural conversation going we care about your right to express yourself and your identity that's a way of not acknowledging we're just the same we're pro-war yeah. and now when there's that war you know like Jimmy Dore and all those guys did that anti-war march in Washington or whatever it's like 5,000 people go now I don't know if that's because of the last few years and what the pandemic's done to people accumulating and gathering crowds or whether people have lost their the belief and faith that people have any can have any impact on politics anymore there's just now this immersive sense of apathy this as you say loss of trust in, in institutions and authority but something extraordinary has happened when people that say that they're you know we're the peace and love party are the party that are advocating for war won't include some of the complex conditions that have led to this current crisis which this is clearly a case for like you know nato's infringement on russian territory the 2014 coup and i'm not telling you anything you don't know but like it's extraordinary that those conversations don't happen right it's like actually like the post trump and post pandemic everything sort of enters into that template there are certain things you're not allowed to say now if you mm -hmm. sort of say did were russia in any way provoked is there any legitimacy to this uh, to their military uh, to, to their military actions from their perspective that's the same as saying oh i don't think you 
you should take certain medications or maybe masks right. aren't necessary. And people aren't. It doesn't seem that the culture is learning. It doesn't seem that the, 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 the as the evidence is evolving, that people are saying, oh wow, look, the stuff you were being told two years ago now, the things you couldn't say online two or three years ago, now there's evidence for that. In fact, I've bought documentation in case the conversation went in this direction, Joe. In my new position as a legitimate investigative journalist, I've got actual <laughs> papers that I can show you from conspiracy to fact. I, I love the change in direction for uh, some of these mainstream figures. Now, for the most part, Joe Rogan and Russell Brand, they can play the role of gatekeepers, hmm. but they are also playing the awakening mob kind of role as being these first very public figures to question certain narratives. And, uh, and we got to be careful because there can be a, a, a directing of the flow of information, and that's how they can participate in a gatekeeper role. But at the same time, uh, it's just like the conspiracy theorists are being vindicated finally on you know shows that are getting millions of views, and YouTube can't ban them yep. because they actually are backing up what they're saying with documentation. And this is exactly what we've been talking about for the past two or three years, talking about the you know, the conspiracies that are plotted against mankind, whether it's the pharmaceutical, whether it's the, the, the things that are happening in Russia and in Ukraine uh, and the whole American political system. I mean, which is the hardest for you to say? Is it one, I love you? Is it two, I was wrong, I'm sorry? Is it three, I need help? Is it four, what's exercise us? <laughs> is it five? I appreciate you. Or is it six? My conspiracy theorist friend was right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, man, all the people that uh, really dogged on conspiracy theorists and called them crazy and called them QAnon nuts and called them all this different stuff. They're being vindicated in a funny way right now. And yeah. so <laughs> in my opinion, the field is ripe for the harvest, right? There's, there's, to use that analogy, there are people that are actually re recognizing that they had been had, that they had been deceived, and they're going to be going to you as a family member or to you as a friend who was trying to warn them two years ago or last year about some of these deceptions, and they totally bought the mainstream media's lie. And now I believe people are going to be more open because it's becoming more and more of a mainstream to be a truther, right? right. But uh, we have to be aware that there is ideologies that come along with some of these gatekeeper truthers, right? Right. And so we, you know, chew the meat, spit out the bones is what I say. And, and I, I'm just, I'm happy to see that finally things like this can be talked about on YouTube on wherever and not get you completely banned. And what's interesting is it's still, in place are these censorship measures that we've inherited from two years ago, from last year, that are still donking people in the head and giving them strikes and whatnot, even though it is now becoming an accepted mainstream understanding that there is more to meets the eye to some of these topics. So uh, I wanted to share that clip there. All right, so uh, with some of this understanding of how uh, mainstream media has absolutely been deceiving people and been biased and been all the stuff that we already know, right? Here's this next video uh, from the Christian Bible Network.
that had a really great compilation of how the New World Order is very quickly approaching. Let's check this out. The World Health Organization is moving forward to revise international health regulations in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Some member states are expressing concern over provisions of the zero draft WHO convention agreement. Critics say the proposed agreement would give the WHO authority over health care, trade, and other aspects of our lives. Well, joining us to explain more is Reggie Littlejohn. Ms. Littlejohn is president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers and co-chair of the Stop the Passport Task Force. Hi, Reggie. Before we discuss how this ties into U.S. law, what would approval of this zero draft agreement mean for people worldwide? Well... I believe that it will mean the establishment of a, a worldwide totalitarian biotech state. So this is extremely these, significant, these guys. Instruments and and by the way, you, you correctly uh, characterized the Air zero draft as an agreement. Uh, that's what they are calling it. They don't want to call it a treaty because they are deliberately trying to subvert the United States and the other countries' treaty processes. So if it's an agreement, all it takes is a signature. It does not take going through our Senate. So people say, oh, don't worry about it. It will never pass our Senate. Well, they are deliberately subverting our Senate uh, process. Signatories we must recognize, quote, there and the central role Elizabeth of the WHO as a directing Sanders, and coordinating uh, authority visiting, on international health work. Guys, they're trying what to believe that means? Our, our already well, corrupt government it, it means so that we don't even have a the WHO choice to, to is make. able to call uh, the shots orders here. if there's any health uh, emergency or potential health emergency anywhere in the world and the language that says that they have to have the permission of the country has is stricken so that they can do it without the permission of the country and it's not only about human health they have something called one health which means that they can do it on behalf of human health animal health plant health the environment they can use any reason that they want to be able to come in and basically run run the show in terms of uh, addressing that health issue. And, and I've read the zero draft proposal. It gives the WHO authority over the global supply chain, trade, commerce, uh, through establishment of the WHO Global Pandemic Supply Chain and Logistics Network. WHO Director, uh, Director General uh, Tedros would lead that effort early on in the pandemic you remember Tedros praised President Xi Jinping for China's efforts to control the outbreak. So your thoughts on him and his potential control of the supply chain? Well, uh, T Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus is very closely aligned with the Chinese Communist Party. And the Chinese Communist Party has absolutely outsized uh, influence at the World Health Organization, uh, which is why they were able to get away with all the lies that they did, which were just amplified by uh, Dr. Tedros. So this is, uh, is not a good alliance at all. And in terms of the supply chains, they, they are also wanting to take um, control over the intellectual property. Like if somebody in the United States or another country develops a great they're, they're going to be forced to share that information, which is which I think is bad for the, the production of pharmaceuticals. I think that it's a, the intellectual property rights are, rights are very important. Yes, I noticed that in the draft agreement. And, and here in the U.S., let's move forward. 
How is the Biden administration planning to use the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, to pre-approve whatever is approved by the WHO? This is something that just came to my attention on Friday from another from an international law expert that this uh, National Defense Authorization Act, which was rammed through at the very end of the last Congress, contains within it something called the International Pandemic Preparedness Act. And I think most people in Congress don't even know about this. Um, but that act contains a loophole in it, which he argues, and I agree, would makes it that whatever the World Health Organization passes is automatically made law in the United States, again, subverting our, our Senate. So oh, this needs to you. be opposed. And in fact, I think that the entire World Health Organization attempt to take over the world, really, um, through vaccine passports, that's another thing that they want to do. Um, the World Health Organization, if these things are passed, will have the ability to mandate in the United States, how we handle a pandemic, including forced quarantines, forced mass mandates, forced mandates. Why, why should we allow Dr. Tedros, who failed so miserably in handling the Wuhan virus, uh, order us around about how we handle our own health? So I think that we should actually withdraw from the WHO, and we are calling for uh, there's there's a, a, a uh, bill that is sponsored by Representative Biggs, um, and there is also a debate right now about raising the, de the debt ceiling. I think that anyone who believes in freedom in the U.S. Congress should condition raising the debt ceiling on U.S. withdrawal from the World Health Organization. Okay, Reggie Littlejohn, President of Women's Rights Without Frontiers and co-chair of the Stop Passports Task Force. Thank you for being with us today. We appreciate it. As you can see, despite the fact that these people and their plans at New World Order medical domination of your human rights and your rights here in the United States, the pol politics, the, the people in power are selling us out. And uh, it's, it's pretty crazy when you hear people like this explaining how they will try to slip it under our radar – uh, and take away our ability to govern ourselves as long as they check the box of, oh, it's a medical emergency. Oh, it's a pandemic. This is for the best interests of mankind that you now participate in this experiment, that you follow mm -hmm. our mandates, that you lock yourself into your house. It, it's crazy, man. And, and what were some of your thoughts on that interview there? I mean, I think they used to be very much better at hiding it from us. But now they're just do it wide out in the open. They're just like, hey, this is what we're going to be doing, and you better be okay with it. I mean, that's what I took away from it. Like, why are you just doing it right in our faces? I mean, it needs to stop, right? Yeah, it, it does. And it's alarming that they've been allowed to get away with so much. But uh, it we can only just keep trumpeting the truth, man. And... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> On the whole uh, COVID topic, here's a funny video. Uh, an obvious disclaimer of where the virus came from. Check this out. Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan sure. respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> and you're like, no. I, you, 
you, the wait, name wait. of your lap. If you look at the name, look at the name. Can I, let me see your business card. I work at the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it sneezed into my chili. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the <laughs> chocolate factory. <laughs> oh, man. It, I mean, it, it's so crazy. Yeah, seeing a liberal completely, like, change his narrative. You see the whole world is like, turning on its head the the age of awakening awakening is here the age of aquarius the age of truther uh liberals right <laughs> which yeah. is just or maybe uh, our prayers it, are being crazy. answered that that people will actually see what we're actually saying you know and and awaken to that their their wrongness like how wrong they truly are or were yeah i in a previous episode i mentioned how the word apocalypse actually can be translated to the unveiling and and people oh, yeah. associate the apocalypse with the end times right of the end of the world the apocalypse is here but the apocalypse actually uh, being a reference to the unveiling of the system that is actually uh around us is more akin to what's happening right now yep. and my personal opinion is that these dastardly plots are going to be unveiled and then they're going to be enacted and people are going to realize that we truly are in the beast system we truly are in an evil uh corporatized monetary system right mm -hmm. and they're going to either totally back out of the city system back out of the the entertainment you know chain ball and chain that has kept us in this loop of obedience to our masters right mm -hmm. the people that have a, a plantation without walls that have us participating in the, all their evil agendas just through ideology through what we consume and teach our children we're either going to completely wake up or people are going to hear the truth as it's being unveiled by all these various people that are flipping the script and totally you know saying oh yeah i always was questioning all along yeah yeah right well whenever they flip the script they share the truth if somebody even in the face of legitimate facts still goes nah 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 nah, nah. i want to participate nah nah, nah 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 i don't buy it i i feel comfortable trusting men in white lab coats that's when they truly have you that's when you truly are are basically bowing down to this evil system and i think that's it's all part of the plan it's it's god doesn't test people beyond what they can bear and unless he reveals the truth for you to accept it or reject it he's not going to let the the judgment uh, drop on you he's not going to slam the hammer down onto you until you can make the choice to to g blind yourself and deafen yourself or to wake up and and get away before the judgment falls on all those who just you know want to be comfortable and that's why i think the the scripts flipping is because i think the world is about to be turned topsy-turvy and uh and it's almost like uh we're getting kind of this uh glimmer of truth and glimmer of of 
hope. what's actually going on. A glimmer of hope so that whenever the really crazy lockdowns come, whenever the really draconian measures come, whenever World War Three hits, if it happens, that you're going to have to make the choice to completely buy and hold on to a lie that you know is a lie just to be comfortable or you're going to have to be a mighty mighty man you know mighty mighty person to step away from a system that you've lived in your whole life and um this goes into you know our topic uh you know of of some of the deceptions uh the final clip from that interview with russell brand and joe rogan of how is anthony fauci not been arrested yet let's check this out so March uh, 2020, a group, a group of scientists signed an, signed an open letter condemning the conspiracy theory suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. In April, Anthony Fauci refutes Donald Trump's claim of a, the possibility of a lab leak. January 2023, redacted NIH emails from January 2021 involving Fauci and NIH Director Francis Collins show efforts to rule out the lab origin of COVID. February 2023, the Wall Street Journal reports the virus that drove the COVID-19 pandemic most likely emerged from a laboratory leak that is just one example of from conspiracy theory to conspiracy fact there are several other here that, here. that is very detailed in the book um the real anthony fauci i mean i don't know obviously there's references in that book and i don't know how much of it's accurate but he's not being sued not that i'm aware of i mean and you would think that with the claims that he makes you would be sued and one of the claims that he makes is that there was a concerted effort to diminish the possibility of this lab leak hypothesis being mainstream and that they went out of their way and there was phone calls at midnight and like get near your phone we're gonna have to do work about this and they 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 had they conspired they conspired to push this narrative that also like when you see him getting grilled by Rand Paul about gain-of-function research and he's just his hands are shaking and you see he's lying He's like, you do not know what you are talking about. He's slowing the conversation down to an almost unfollowable level. The way he talks and the way he utilizes words, Senator, Senator, you do not know what you are talking about. Who the f talks like that yeah. it's like a it's like a switch up pitch in baseball it's like he's throwing you a pitch like why is it coming at me 50 miles an hour this just doesn't make any sense like you almost don't know what to do you just want to interrupt him and just badger him and beat him down <laughs> and when you do that that gives into his what that's what he wants he wants chaos he wants you to be yelling at him so he can get out of there yeah that's like, the loyally monotony of bureaucracy yes. with it. all due respect <laughs> You do not know what you are talking about. I gotta give yeah, it to when him. When their administrations and their public service yeah. behave like that, how they can't understand why people would be attracted to Donald Trump, who talks like a normal person, who says crazy, weird yeah. stuff all the time. But he sounds like a normal yeah. person. Yeah, it's just like. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah. Fauci's not a, a political figure. I mean, he's like it's like more complicated. Civil servant, of yeah. course. It's but... more complicated, but it's also re really complicated when you find out that he holds patents on some of these drugs and he, he makes exorbitant amounts of profit off of these drugs. And also, he was, when he was at the head, he was the guy that was responsible for giving out grants. So he was the guy that was responsible for s sending money to 
thousands of doctors and organizations. He was the head of all that. He was the guy that was like the top of the food chain when it came to medical science and the the ability to dispatch a narrative and to put out there put out put out a narrative and to make sure that everybody was moving in the same direction like oh the this drug does this we're going to push it for that and even though some of these drugs turned out to be horribly toxic and very dangerous for people there's no repercussion that remdesivir like, you, you know, when they were pushing remdesivir as like being this uh, this treatment for COVID, it's, just, it's not effective. <laughs> it, it kills your kidneys. It's like there's a lot of like negative aspects. Of, what are the side effects of remdesivir? And do they even do they even promote the use of remdesivir anymore? Because I think they stopped doing it. I think it's like AZT with AIDS. You know, they just stopped. They're like, this is killing people. We got to stop doing this. But. Well, what the fuck, what were you doing that led you to think that people should take AZT, should take a, a, a chemotherapy drug forever as a treatment for HIV? Like, what the fuck were you doing then? Yeah, you can't expect to extract what has been the prevailing mentality in this particular from this particular case you did you hear them talk about that obesity drug that they're sort of pushing now that there's a semaglutide drug. oh man that's like yeah. a lifelong you take it forever it like it's um, is that what it is semaglutide you take that forever i don't know man it's that, that what i heard that cali means talk about on my show that that, that that is potentially the most profitable drug in history that's being pushed now and is being patented and approved now. i bet that's semaglutide i bet that's that there's a couple different wagavi i think they call it and there's a there's a couple different like brand names for it but semaglutide is a it's a peptide that causes you to lose your appetite but it also causes you to lose when people talk about the weight loss some crazy number of like 34 percent of the weight loss is bone mass and muscle tissue mass and connective tissue loss <laughs> get rid of your skeleton i mean maybe you can mitigate that with weight training maybe they're just saying that that's like part of the loss of not eating much like if you don't eat much and your body mass drops, like maybe that's a natural byproduct of, maybe that could be mitigated with weight training. I don't know, you know, but that doesn't sound good to me. Like what you could just actually just eat less. You don't have to take this stuff. Everything externalized, everything becoming commodity. All times, it seems like a war against nature, a war against the traits that human beings have, yeah. a war against the natural ability of people to organize. It all seems to be migrating in one direction. In that book, that Kennedy book, one thing I liked is that, you know, we had initially the war, wars between nations, then the war against drugs and terror, more abstract ideas, and finally the war against germs, unwinnable wars yeah. in the end. In the end, it becomes just the, the perpetual war that, again, is an Orwellian cliche becomes yeah. realized when you when the enemy becomes as abstract as that. Yeah, it's a it's a terrifying book if it's accurate. You know, and I, I'm waiting for someone to accurately debunk it. I'm wait, waiting to see. Maybe maybe someone has. I just haven't found it yet. Poignant words. And while I might not agree with Russell Brand on everything or definitely mm -hmm. Joe Rogan on everything, it's so significant that they're able to share some of these concepts that we've been talking about all along. That we still have an active still... community guideline strike against. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. Exactly. Oh, man. What a interesting time. Uh to kind of see retroactively how this hero of the American people, the health system, Fauci, is now being villainized by the mainstream uh, because 
uh, it's it's being proven that it was nefarious all along. And, and like we've talked about before, anytime there's a lot of money to be made, well, guess what? The love of money is the root of all evil. And, and always follow the money as well. Follow the money. Follow the money. And it'll lead Absolutely. you to and, whoever the source is that's making all the money. It's the doctors. Well, uh, that brings us to our last video. Now, uh, this is a little bit of a longer video, uh, but it's an interesting compilation from a YouTube channel that breaks down some huge signs uh, of how the New World Order and the Antichrist is preparing to step onto the scene. And it's a really great compilation that ties in a lot of these themes from these few videos that we've watched all together to kind of let you know where the world's heading. So let's check out video seven. Welcome to the Watchman channel. This channel is all about world news and Bible prophecy, pointing to the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans 13, 11, and do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The closer we draw to the second coming of Christ, the more urgent it is that we awake out of spiritual sleep we have entered the end times, and with it, the grand climax of human civilization, culminating in the return of Jesus Christ. If ever there was a time to pay attention and get prepared, it is now. Furthermore, none of us knows when he or she will die. Being spiritually prepared for the end of life should be our top priority. Jesus emphasized the importance of watching for his return as we read in Luke 21:36. Watch therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watching means properly using our mind. God gave us the ability to study, learn, observe, analyze, judge, and think. It is our God-ordained responsibility to watch and pray for Jesus' return. Ignorance comes from ignoring, and God does not want us to be ignorant to the season of the Lord's return, as we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-11. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. The World Health Organization is moving forward to revise international regulations in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Some critics say the proposed changes would give the WHO authority and control over healthcare, trade, and other aspects of our lives. When the deception comes, if you're not a born-again believer, you'll be swept away with it. The deception will be greater than you ever imagined in your life. It is going to be profound as to what happens. People in the high places are Satanist. They're Illuminati. Spiritual power in high places that will bring about a one world government. 
And by doing that, they intend to rule the world. And they have the help of a whole uh, mass of demonic spirits who are able to perform all kinds of miracles, deceptive miracles, manifestations, and all of this stuff to help them to bring about that one world government. And the goal is so that they can put one man up and worship him as God, the Antichrist. America is in a spiritual battle between good and evil, as we read in Ephesians 6.12, where we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. House Republicans are moving ahead with their plans on education by introducing a bill called the Parents' Bill of Rights. Wendy Griffith has that story. One thing we know in this country is education is the great equalizer. And we want the parents to be empowered. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says the Parents' Bill of Rights Act sits on five main pillars. The right to know what's being taught in schools and their reading material. The right to be heard. The right to see school budgets. The right to protect their children's privacy. And the right to be updated on any violent activity at school. We think these are pretty basic things that everybody and every parent should have a right to. Several parents were on hand to remind lawmakers why this legislation is so critical. One mom from Rhode Island was sued by a teacher's union for wanting to know what her kindergartner would be learning. I'm still in litigation for almost two years with the teacher's union. I still don't have my answers. But what I do know is that my school district and my teacher's union didn't want to just hide the curriculum from me. They wanted to ruin my life just for asking for it. And I don't want that to happen to any other parent in America. They sued you for asking what's being taught to your child. I mean, we wouldn't think we'd have to do this bill, but you are the exact reason why we have the Parents' Bill of Rights. On CBN's Faith Nation, Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council raised the question of how the Democrats will respond. It's going to be very interesting to see what the other side of the aisle does with this measure that simply empowers parents, creates transparency in education, making sure that the parents who pay for the schools have an understanding of what their children are being taught and have a voice in the process. As parents, it is our primary duty to protect our children and preserve their innocence. Unfortunately, there is a toxic movement infiltrating our schools that is more interested in pushing a political agenda rather than teaching our students, our children, what the subjects we were taught in school. Congresswoman Julia Letlow, who sponsored the bill, says the pandemic brought to light what's actually being taught in schools, including a curriculum heavy on LGBTQ rights, critical race theory, and other so-called woke indoctrination. And so then we did the right thing, right? We went to our school boards and we voiced our displeasure, but we were turned away. And some of us were even labeled domestic terrorists. That was absolutely not right. And so that was the impetus for this bill. That was it. Thanks to all of you in this room for the parents for stepping up and saying, no, enough is enough. We also saw things like gender ideology, which is teaching that you can believe that if you believe that you are another sex, that that's what you should be affirmed in. And we know as parents that that is not something that is, that's not scientific. It is not, um, 
Um, it's not biological. And we need to deal with these problems in the proper way. Critics say the bill would lead to education bans and take books off of classroom shelves. But House Republicans say parents have a right to a seat at the table when it comes to their children's education. And the Parents' Bill of Rights will ensure that. The bill is expected to pass the House, but face strong opposition in the Democratic-controlled Senate. Ephesians 5, 11, and 12, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak for those things which are done by them in secret. Jesus, speaking to his disciples about the signs of his coming and the end of the age, declares this in Matthew 24, 12, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. The Bible tells us lawlessness is the violation of God's commandments, as we read in 1 John 3, 4. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Sin will be so rampant and so commonplace in the last days that the love people once had for one another, for many, will be non-existent. In this prophecy, Jesus Christ is describing an ongoing breakdown in the relationship with God. And since people's love for God is waning, it will be evident in the way people treat one another as well. A symptom may be that the love toward other people is decreasing, but the real cause is that the relationship with God is cooling off. This is what we are witnessing in our world today. Do you ever stop during the course of your day and wonder, how did things get so off track in America? Now, I'm just not talking about the lousy economy or high prices either. A lot of our bedrock values seem to be in short supply. Respect for elders, respect for our history, respect for our constitution. How about just basic decency? You just put a magazine in it and you still try to load it. Everyone knows we have a violence problem in America, but we're seeing a disturbing new pattern. Violent teens popping up all across the country, and they're consistently getting second, third, even fourth chances, even after committing heinous felonies. In Orlando, Florida, on Tuesday, a 17-year-old student beat his teacher violently, punching her over and over and over again until she was unconscious, all because she took away his Nintendo video game during class. He was arrested for felony aggravated battery, but not before telling the teacher he'd kill her on his way out. I don't want to go to jail. We're going to stop. Hey, stop. Stupid. I'm going to kill you. We told you earlier in the week about 18 year old Miles Pfeiffer, who shot a police officer execution style last weekend in Philly, and then he committed a carjacking. Well, sources say Pfeffer had been previously charged with making terroristic threats against a high school and was repeatedly suspended from school and then was expelled in ninth grade. He wanted everybody to think he was gangster, even though he lived with his mommy in a million dollar house in the suburbs. He even called his mommy to come pick him up after the crime spree. Neighbors say there were cops around his house all the time. Over in Orange County, Florida on Wednesday, a 19 year old named Keith Moses went on a shooting spree shooting five. He killed a 38-year-old before fleeing the scene, then returned five hours later and killed a nine-year-old and a local news reporter before he was arrested. Get on your face. 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 Moses was already a career criminal. This was just at 19. He'd racked up gun charges, aggravated battery, and assault with a deadly weapon, burglary, grand theft. 
Now, I'm all for second chances, but why are we giving people fourth and fifth chances after we know they're evil? Now, one thing is obvious. When we can't expect our next generations to respect the rule of law, we can't, we certainly can't if our own FBI is perceived to be flouting the basic idea of equal justice under the law. Operating within an obvious political bias as it did recently against my next guest, Mark Houck, a pro-life activist in Pennsylvania, he's gonna tell his story, it was all exposed today, though, during the grilling of A.G. Merrick Garland. This is a case where a Catholic pro-life demonstrator, father, was accused of disorderly conduct in front of an abortion center. The local prosecutor, the Philadelphia district attorney, who is a Democrat, a liberal, very progressive, declined to prosecute. And then after all of that, your Justice Department sent between 20 and 30 armed agents in the early morning hours to the house private residence to arrest this guy after he had offered to turn himself in voluntarily here's the photo once again you can see the long guns you can see the ballistic shields all i know is what uh, the fbi has said which is that they made the decisions on the ground as to what was safest and easiest are you telling me that in your opinion as attorney general it was objectively necessary to use 20 or 30 SWAT-style agents with long guns and ballistic shields for these people? What I'm saying is that decisions about how to go about this were made on the ground by FBI agents. So you're saying that is a disgraceful performance by your Justice Department and a disgraceful use of resources. Holly was masterful, and everyone, including liberals, know that the FBI gives kid gloves treatment to liberal activists who vandalize property, terrorize people, smash and loot. Now, there's little to no chance that they're going to be treated like Mr. Houck. Garland had pathetic excuses, but Senator Lee, he had the facts. In 2022 and for the first couple of months of 2023, DOJ has announced charges against 34 individuals for blocking access to or vandalizing abortion clinics. And there have been over 81 reported attacks on pregnancy centers, 130 attacks on Catholic churches since the leak of the Dobbs decision, and only two individuals have been charged. So how do you explain this disparity uh, by reference to anything other than politicization of what's happening there? I will say you're quite right. There are many more prosecutions with respect uh, to the um, uh, blocking of the uh, um, of the abortion centers, but that is generally because they are those actions are taken in, uh, with photography at the time, um, uh, during the daylight, and uh, seeing the person who did it is uh, quite easy. Um, the, those who are attacking the pregnancy resources centers, uh, which is a, a horrid thing to do, are doing this at night um, in the dark. Ah, it's the pro-sunshine bias. I got it. Oh my goodness, Garland has zero credibility. And when it was Cruz's time to question him, oh boy. In the wake of the leak of the Dobbs decision, when rioters descended at the homes of six Supreme Court justices, night after night after night, you did nothing. When extremist groups like Ruth Senos and Jane's Revenge openly organized campaigns of harassment at the homes of justices, you sat on your hands when these same groups posted online information about where the justices worship or their home addresses 
or where their kids went to school, you again sat on your hands and did nothing. Has the Department of Justice brought even a single case under this statute? The job of the United States Marshals is to defend the lives so of the- So the answer is no. It's to defend the lives of the justices, and that's our number one priority. They have- Why full... are you unwilling to say no? The answer's no. You know it's no. I know it's no. Everyone in this, in this hearing room knows it's no. Well, of course it is. Well, Garland is just another Biden administration official who refuses any accountability. He's not going to apologize for what's happening because this is their plan to weaponize the DOJ. That's what they need to do to defeat Republicans, or so they think. Without trust in government, things will continue to spiral in the United States. The way you vote, the church you attend, should never affect the way the government, especially the FBI, with all the powers it has, to treat you under the law any differently. The use of federal power to punish political adversaries is what we expect in Beijing, maybe Moscow, but not in Washington. Senator, did you learn anything from the attorney general today? That this administration will watch people being executed on our streets, gang style. They will watch fentanyl destroy communities all across this country and do nothing, but if you're a pro-life demonstrator, I hope you see where this is all going. If you go to church, they will send informants into your church to spy on you. That's an actual thing that the FBI has recommended doing. That's the priorities of this Justice Department. Oh, and of course, if you're a parent and you show up to a school board meeting, yeah, they'll label you a domestic terrorist. That's what we know is going on. What's the vibe you get from this guy? Is he just a yes man? Is he some just squirrely little operator? What's your read on Merrick Garland? The White House wanted it. Why is he going after pro-life demonstrators? Because the White House wants it. Why is he letting Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Barrett twist in the wind with all these protesters outside of their house? Because the White House wants it. I think he's just a tool of the White House. And I'll tell you, Jesse, they have weaponized this Justice Department like nothing we have ever seen in American history. Wow. So just a, a great compilation video that really demonstrates some of the, the various uh connections and how it really is a sign that the world is changing uh yes truth is being unveiled but it's revealing how wicked and how corrupt the system actually is yep. and the the facade of oh we're all upstanding politicians we're all you know just for the people is actually being lifted, revealing how bad it actually is. The fact that these people in power above us are quite are trying to quietly slip through all of these plans to control and dominate for their monetary benefit, for their benefit of their new world agendas. And uh, man, it's just uh, it just like uh, the this gentleman is talking about. You know, it, it's so important for us to figure out where we are at spiritually mentally uh in our walk with our creator because as the world falls down around us we don't want to be caught with our pants down you know caught with our hand in the cookie jar of babylon whenever mm -hmm. you know everything is coming apart because when we we feel comfortable when we get those handouts when we get the things that have drawn us into the system of evil and make us feel you know fuzzy inside right well that's when they have you. That's when they can then cause you to put your head on the chopping block. About racism, anti-blackness, or violence. About racism, anti-blackness, or violence.
I will use my voice in the most uplifting way possible. I will use my voice in the most uplifting way possible. And do everything in my power to educate my community. I will love my black neighbors the same as my white ones. Uh, and, and to do what they say and to, to give up your freedoms. And so that's kind of why I wanted to share some of these clips and, and help educate our community and, and help remind people that it, it's not about doom and gloom. It's not about being, you know, uh, oh, everything's so bad, but it, it's about waking the people up who are so comfortable that they are buying a lie and holding on to something that they know is a lie and, and, you know, whenever you hold on to that rope that's being pulled away from you and the tighter you hold on, the more it'll damage your hands. And uh, in the same way, uh, you know, uh, allow these truths to be revealed and, and let's build better communities. Let's prepare for a time where the people who are evil and in power aren't trying to play the game anymore and, and that will be ready to not fall when they start pushing those dominoes. And... Uh, that's all I had to share for this week, Jeremiah. Man, I think you summed it up really well. And uh, thank you for another great current news and for that exclusive, awesome footage of Washington, D.C. I mean, that's a perfect timing for, for the Tucker Carlson thing. And uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, no problem. Now for a quick break from our friend JJ. Now a word from our sponsor. Now personally, I've tried every CBD product on the market to help me manage my pain. I have degenerative disc disease and nothing has ever helped me until I tried JJ's Natural CBD Rub. So when I found out that we had the opportunity to work together, I was so excited that I could share this amazing product with you guys here on Skiba News Nation. So if you want to manage your pain like I did, text CBD to 920-382-7720 for an exclusive $50 off a three-pack special. Also, check out all the testimonials on their website, jjcbdrub.com. Get pain relief like I did by getting yourself some JJ's Natural CBD Rub today. Check out more info down in the description below. Now, me and JJ are doing the, the giveaway. They're going fast. Uh, you can get your limited edition sign book of mine, Never Got to Say Goodbye, and a pendant that I wear here on the show. Uh, you just got to tell them that Skiba News Nation sent you. So, uh, thank you, JJ. So, now it's time for an all-new fan-favorite Opa's Corner. Take it away, Opa. My hoot, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut. It's time for another Opa's Corner, so let's get started. A mother took her three-year-old daughter to church for the first time. The church lights were lowered, and then the choir came down the aisle, carrying lighted candles. All was quiet until the little one started to sing in a loud voice. Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday to you! (laughs) 
a Sunday school teacher, asked her class, Does anyone here know what is meant by sins of omission? A small girl replied, Those are the sins we should have committed but didn't. (laughs) A bright eight-year-old child was being tested by the speech teacher and was given analogies and asked to describe the following differences. What's the difference between an oak tree and a Christmas tree? One has leaves and the other has needles. Very good. What's the difference between a saucer and a plate? One flies and the other doesn't. (laughs) A father was reading Bible stories to his young son. He read, The man named Lot was warned to take his wife and flee out of the city. But his wife looked back and was turned to salt. His son asked, What happened to the flea? (laughs) Six-year-old Angie and her four-year-old brother Joe were sitting together in church. Joe giggled and sang and talked out loud. Finally, his big sister had enough. You're not supposed to talk out loud in church. Why? Who's going to stop me, Joel asked. Angie pointed to the back of the church and said, See those two men standing by the door? They're hushers. (laughs) A three-year-old put his shoes on by himself. His mother noticed the left was on the right foot. She said, Son, your shoes are on the wrong feet. He looked up at her with a raised brow and said, Don't kid me, Mom. I know they're my feet. (laughs) A three-year-old boy went with his dad to see a litter of kittens. On returning home, he breathlessly informed his mother, There were two boy kittens and two girl kittens. How did you know? his mother asked. Daddy picked them up and looked underneath, he replied. I think it's printed on the bottom. (laughs) It's actually harder to tell. On the first day of school, the kindergarten teacher said, If anyone has to go to the bathroom, hold up two fingers. A little voice from the back of the room asked, How will that help? And now for the funnies. (laughs) Assistant Dog Training. This is where we test their (laughs) self-control. What really happened to Humpty? (laughs) Yeah. I've been Humpty a few times. (laughs) I meant to tell you before you blew it up 
That's the planet where all the toilet paper was made. I found it this way. I'm just performing the autopsy. <laughs> Before perfecting his escape act, Harry Houdini studied films of cats about to go to the vet. <laughs> <laughs> Will I complete my bucket list? Not yours, but somebody's. <laughs> That's funny. In a tremendous stroke of luck, Dr. Remley has the opportunity to perform surgery on the contractor who renovated his kitchen. Okay, Roger. That's all the time I've got for now. I'll try to get back to you in a week or two to finish up with the job. <laughs> <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> Metal Shop 302. My project's ready for grading, Mr. Big Nose. Hey, I'm talking to you, Squid Brain. Feline Monopoly. There was a devastating tornado. The player to your left gets to bat everything off the board. Yes! <laughs> that should be a game. <laughs> Night of the Living Nail Clippers. <gasps> Catnip Dispensary. Oh no. Green Bliss will make you mellow. Emerald High will make you hyper. And Jade Fade will make you forget current events. Jade Fade! Jade Fade! <laughs> All dogs must be leashed. It's cordless! Need money for lessons. I That's a good idea. <laughs> what I did on my summer vacation. <laughs> Dog restaurants. Three dry. Two dry, one canned. One canned, one dry. Four dry, two canned. One canned, one dried. <laughs> when Dachshunds dream. <laughs> Hehehe. <laughs> 
And this is my man cave. <laughs> That's fine. Darthritis. <laughs> Doc, it hurts when I do this. <laughs> I can't catch a break. I can't catch a squirrel. I can't catch the little red dot. <laughs> oh my god. I think in this case you're going to have to give in and be a dog person. Three guesses why we won't be coming in to work tomorrow. <laughs> He's a mix between a bulldog and a shih tzu. So the breed is called a... Don't say it! <laughs> <laughs> Late one evening in the physics lab, with a little help from a colleague, Professor Rittenberg discovers the element of surprise. <laughs> Early vegetarians returning from the kill. He sure loves fresh litter. <laughs> Nose witness news. A bagel, a corgi, two boxers, and a labradoodle were here in the last hour. Back to you. Hold on, I'm not feeling well. I need to stop in here for a sec. Carpeting. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here's your three-piece chicken combo, sir. Jehovah's Witnesses Hall. Mm. No soliciting. They don't care about that rule. When you realize the last day of 2023 will be one, two, three, one, two, three. Aha! Mm -hmm. And that concludes Opa's Corner for this week. My hut, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut.
Opa's Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. is an Opa's Corner breaking news report. other news. Disney has removed an Oscar-winning song from its parade. Amid the park's ongoing initiative to transform the popular Splash Mountain attraction to remove controversial elements from the 1946 movie Song of the South, Disney has also removed the memorable Zip Buddy Doodah from the Daily Parade. Opa's Corner has learned from unreliable sources the parade returned without Zippity Doodah and instead featured a song from the 1953 animated classic Peter Pan What Makes the Red Man Red? This has been an Opa's Corner Breaking News Report. We now return you to your regular programming. Now I know you're torturing me with those cat things and uh just so everybody knows me and opa were the biggest disney fans until they went completely woke so that is hilarious because if you know what's going on like with the parks they're they're taking something uh they're taking splash mountain one of their most iconic rides and changing it because of song of the south and uh, he was the first black actor to win a an academy award so they're kind of taking that away from his legacy which is kind of the reverse of what they were trying to do, right? But that was great, Opa. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Opa. You're 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 also killing me with the uh, flying pancake through space flat Earth intro. Uh, uh, it's uh, it's like NASA's CGI guy and a flat earther. If they had a baby, and then that baby became a graphic artist. Uh, <laughs> uh, but thank you for your hilarious segment awesome thank you opa so it's time for some mystery 
Now today for history, I kind of wanted to have a little fun uh, with you guys, maybe laugh a little. Hopefully you guys enjoy this week's history because it's not as, you know, with all the darkness going on in the world, it's always important to laugh. So I'm the biggest Elvis fan. Uh, I've probably made that apparent. Uh, but a lot of people think that he's dead, right? You would say, Jake? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You, th you think he faked his death? Like, a lot of people I, would assume I, that. I, I think people love to think that he could have faked his death because they love him so much. And, well, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there, there are people that swear to me that this guy, Bob Joyce, who's a pastor, is, is Elvis. And I have been Elvis's biggest fan as much as I wish he was alive I know that he died in 1977 for a fact and so this story doesn't really have anything to do with Elvis but it kind of does because it has to do with his former son-in-law Michael Jackson and he was spotted did you know that Tucker Carlson reported on a sighting recently uh, since his death in 2009 I mean there have been reports of his sightings but Tucker Carlson exposed this first clip, so check this out. And this is real. So here's a weird story, weirder than anything about UFOs we've ever brought you. Michael Jackson was sighted on live television over the weekend. Michael Jackson, who died 12 years ago? Yeah, we have the tape. Straight ahead on the special edition of Tucker Carlson's Night, The Crime of the Century. So yesterday was Sunday, you may have found yourself on the couch, idly flipping around the TV dial. And if you flipped far enough, you could have had the shock of your life. Michael Jackson was on Face the Nation. Now, to be clear, this wasn't video of Michael Jackson performing his hit songs in the 1990s. This appeared to be a living version of the international pop star that news reports claim died of a drug OD more than a dozen years ago. And yet, despite those claims, there he was, fully, undeniably Michael Jackson, talking on television. How can that be? Honestly, we have no idea. We're not theologians here. This is merely a news program. We can only show you what we saw. Here it is. There's nothing more important for us to do than protect our constitution and our democracy. What the Republicans are doing across the country is really a, a legislative continu continuation of what they did on January 6th, which is to undermine our democracy. See? Michael Jackson, that was him. No, Billy Jean apparently he's given up singing. Now he's telling lies about politics. Same man. If you've ever seen Michael Jackson, you cannot forget the face. Though admittedly, he's had a lot of work done since we saw him last. <laughs> okay, you can stop it there, bro. Was that not one of the funniest <laughs> things you've ever seen in your life? I can't believe they put that on Fox News. That's crazy. That's funny. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought you guys would laugh at that because I mean he he really has you for a second and he pulls that on you. That was a real clip too, not too long ago. So that was my first story. I just wanted to make y'all laugh a little bit. But anyways, I thought you guys would enjoy uh, this next clip because it's about George Carlin. I play George Carlin a lot on this on this channel, and I know you guys love George Carlin just as much as I love George Carlin. But this is him talking about the PC police and how they're going to destroy society. And this was, you know, before today because he's been dead for probably like maybe 10 years. So check this out.
Political correctness is America's newest form of intolerance, and it's especially pernicious because it comes disguised as tolerance. Political correctness is avoiding words or behaviors that exclude, marginalize, or insult groups of people who are socially disadvantaged or discriminated against. Basically, treating people with respect. It presents itself as fairness, yet attempts to restrict and control people's language with strict codes and rigid rules. I'm not sure that's the way to fight discrimination. I'm not sure silencing people or forcing them to alter their speech is the best method for solving problems that go much Amen, deeper Amen, George. Speech. Perhaps you've noticed that when the politically correct liberal rule makers decide to rename a group of humans they view as victims, they begin by imparting a sense of shame to the group's existing name. And so mm -hmm. somewhere over the years, the word cripple has been discarded. No one mentions cripples anymore. That's because in yet another stunning attempt to stand reality on its head, Cripples have been assigned a new designation, the physically challenged. The use of physically challenged is an obvious attempt to make people feel better. The idea being, as long as we can't cure these people, let's give their condition a more positive name and maybe it'll distract everyone. The same is true of the ungainly phrase, differently abled. I believe that if a person is going to insist on using tortured language, such as differently abled, then he should be forced to use it to describe everyone. You can do things I can't do, I can do things you can't do. We're all differently abled. It should be explained to liberals, patiently, that crippled people don't require some heroic designation. It's a perfectly honorable condition. It appears in the Bible. Jesus healed the cripples. He didn't engage in rehabilitative strategies to improve the conditions of the physically disadvantaged. Can't these liberals <laughs> hear how unattractive this language is? How poorly it sits on the ear? Then there are those who don't quite measure up to society's accepted standards of physical attractiveness. The worst of that group are called ugly, or at least they used to be. The PC lingo cops have been working on this too. And to demonstrate how far all this politically correct evasive language has gone, some psychologists are actually now referring to ugly people as those with severe appearance deficits. Okay? Severe appearance deficits. More Regarding trainees. people's appearance, the political <laughs> oh. language police already have in place one comically distorted term, lookism. They say that when you judge a person, or rather size them up, wouldn't want to judge someone, that would be judgmental. If you take their looks into account, you're guilty of lookism. You're a lookist. And those valiant people who fight lookism, many of them unattractive themselves, tell us that one problem is that in our society, those who get to be called beautiful and those who are called ugly are determined by standards arbitrarily set by us. Somehow there's some fault attached to the idea that we, the people, are the ones who set the standards of beauty. But we're the ones who have to look at one another. So why shouldn't we be the ones who set the standards? I would say the whole thing was stupid, but that's my next topic. So, it's important to face one thing about stupidity. We can't get away from it. It's all around us. It doesn't take a team of professional investigators to discover that there are stupid people in the world. It's fine. But where do these stupid people come from? Well, they come from American schools. But while they're attending these schools, they never identified as stupid, which may be contributing to the problem. Unfortunately, kids, stupid or otherwise, come under a sort of protective umbrella we've established that prevents them from being exposed to the real world until at 18 their parents spring them on the rest of us, full grown. There are stupid kids. And I do wish to be careful how I negotiate the minefield of the learning disabled and the developmentally disadvantaged. In other words, those with special needs. 
all of these being more examples of this tiresome and ridiculous language. One of the terms now used to describe these stupid kids is minimally exceptional. Can you handle that? Minimally exceptional. Whatever happened to the old reliable explanation? The boy is slow. Some of the other children are quick. They think quickly. Not this boy. He's slow. <laughs> Seems humane enough to me. <laughs> but no, he's minimally exceptional. Political correctness cripples discourse, creates ugly language, and is generally stupid. This language renders completely useless at least one perfectly good expression. In the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, becomes, in the kingdom of the visually impaired, the partially sighted person is fully empowered. Sad, isn't it? I would love to hear him talk about the they, them stuff and like what's going on today because he, he was the best at breaking down and tackling real issues and making them funny because it, comedy is made to, you know, to, to laugh at yourself. I mean, to laugh at things that are going on around you to make it a little bit better. It's, it's an art form and they, they try to silence so many people and it's just it's so sad. But I think. I think he was very prophetic in, in what he said. I mean, what are your thoughts, Jake? Yeah, the the breakdown of how language is being used to manipulate how we think about the world is so, so true. I mean, I can really appreciate it when he was making it back then because he was really kind of ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. And now we can definitely see in today's world how much they use language and the use of words to skew how we view reality. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty great clip. What are your thoughts, Opa? Yeah, I think uh, he had it hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, he sure did. All right, so that's all I got for George Carlin. I just thought that was super interesting. Today's gonna be super random, but I hope you guys are okay with that. So Jake, when I say the word mascot, what do you think of? mascot uh like sports games a guy wearing a suit you know running around whatnot okay because most people would would i mean i looked on google most people would classify them as like a clown act or like just fools acting in a suit kind of stupid right so yeah what if i told you that they are some of the hardest working athletes slash entertainers in the entertainment and sports field that's what i'm about to show you Check this out. Let's see. Mascots are some of the most athletic, hardest working, underappreciated, and abused entertainers in the world. A lot of them are also complete scumbags. Due to sweat, the average mascot loses 8.6 pounds every game. Their costumes, on average, add 21 pounds to their body weight, and the temperature inside the suit adds 40 degrees of heat to anyone who wears it. This makes it an extremely dangerous job. According to a study by Johns Hopkins, over half of professional sports mascots have suffered a heat stroke. Mascots have been abused by fans, abused by players, abused by coaches, and have even passed away while trying to entertain fans. And this may be why a lot of them have gotten into trouble for doing some pretty messed up things. Mascots have ran over and injured players. They've planned premeditated attacks on other mascots for revenge. One of the nation's most beloved mascots has been sued dozens of times for abusing strangers. And one mascot caused one of the biggest scandals in baseball history after he got caught supplying players with 
illegal things. As crazy as mascots have become, they are nothing compared to the original mascots, who believe it or not, were usually just disabled people who convinced players they had mystical powers. Or people like this kid who was pretty much kidnapped and used as a mascot just because the Tigers thought he was good luck. In the early 1900s, the Tigers met a homeless child in Chicago who they called Lil Rastus. They brought him all the way back to Detroit just so he could be their full-time mascot, which basically just meant going to each game and hanging out in the dugout for no money whatsoever except for food and shelter. Ty Cobb was so convinced of this kid's powers, he would sneak him into his hotel room and have him sleep underneath his bed every single road game just because he thought it was good luck. Unfortunately, later in the year, the Tigers went on a losing streak, thought That's Little Rastus had lost his powers, <laughs> mm -hmm. and fired him. But the Cubs then hired him as their good luck charm. His good luck worked perfectly and brought them all the way to the World Series against his former team, the Detroit Tigers. But the Cubs ended up losing Game 7 and abandoned him in Detroit, 300 miles away from his home. During this time, people still believed in the ancient myth that hunchbacks were good luck, which led to several teams to have full-time hunchbacks in their dugout just so players could rub them before going to the plate. But by far, the most absurd mascot was a guy rub named Charlie them? Faust. What? The only mm -hmm. mascot in the history of professional sports to actually play in an official game. He was a 30-year-old man who was more than likely mentally handicapped. He traveled from Kansas all the way to New York just to tell the Giants manager that he needed to be on the team because he was told by a fortune teller it was his destiny to win the World Series for the New York Giants. The manager thought this was hilarious, gave him a uniform, put him on the roster, had him catch fly balls during warm-ups so fans and players could laugh at him, and told him to warm up in the bullpen throughout the game for good luck. As soon as they signed Charlie, they ended up going in insane 36 and 2. This are why most teams elect to have a modern day mascot, usually a guy in a suit who performs stunts so stupid yet insane the crowd has no choice but to love them. A type of mascot that was revolutionized by a chicken who was so good at his job, he ended up fighting for his life in court after Fun being fact, sued I know for him. hundreds of thousands of dollars. The chicken was originally a college student who got paid $2 an hour to dress up in a chicken suit and promote the radio station he worked at. He instantly became a superstar in San Diego, attending every Padres home game. He became so famous that the Braves literally tried to trade their backup catcher to San Diego in exchange for the chicken. But this trade couldn't go through because the Padres did not employ the chicken. It was the radio station KGB who ended up firing him and suing him for 250 grand because he began performing as a chicken without the radio station logo on his costume. The lawsuit was set to end his career, but after pleading his case and making a new chicken suit, the chicken was allowed to perform around the country. However, he would go on to get sued for a lot worse. The chicken has performed for over 40 years, has appeared at over 5,000 games, and was even named one of the top 100 most influential people in sports 
of the 20th century. He also got sued by Barney after they discovered he was doing a skit throughout the country showing him beating up a man in a purple dinosaur costume. In a more serious case, he allegedly tackled and rolled over a cheerleader in hopes to entertain fans. She says the injuries she suffered forced her to retire. He was ordered to pay $300,000 to this cheerleader. As bad as this was, the popularity of the chicken inspired teams of all sports to get their own mascot. The Philly Fanatic was created a few years later in 1977. The Pirate Parrot and the Oriole Bird were created in 1979, and these mascots have been integral parts of the game day experience for all three of these teams ever since. They've also been sued, arrested, and injured multiple times. The truth is, history tells us, if you dress up in an oversized costume and start running around stadiums, you're bound to get in trouble eventually. A lot of times, it's for stupid things, like the Wisconsin Badger who got arrested just for crowd surfing. The Cincinnati Bearcat did something a little worse. He got arrested for throwing snowballs at players in the middle of a game. The Royals got sued after their mascot Slugger allegedly hit a lady in the face with a hot dog while throwing them into the stands for a promotion. The court ruled in Slugger's favor, agreeing that getting hit in the face with a hot dog is in fact an inherent risk of attending a baseball game. But the mascot who holds the title for being sued more than any other mascot ever <laughs> is probably the Philadelphia Fanatic. He's been accused oh, and mm -hmm. sued for throwing a woman in a pool without water in it, climbing on and injuring a 75-year-old woman at a minor league game jumping on and injuring a 68-year-old man, accidentally kicking and injuring a pregnant woman, distracting a fan with his theatrics, which caused them to get hit in the face with a foul ball, tackling and ferociously hugging a man at an event in a paint store, crashing the fanatic mobile while drunk, fleeing the scene and leaving the costume in the car as evidence, and even hitting a woman in the face while shooting a hot dog out of a hot dog cannon. However, the woman never sued for that. As bad as these accusations were, they're not as bad as impersonating a mascot, which has literally gotten people arrested and sued in federal court. This guy tried to do it at a Dodgers playoff game, jumped on top of the dugout, did a couple moves, then ended up getting arrested. But that is nothing compared to Billy Cub. A mascot who would buy his own costume, would never step foot in the stadium, but would hang out outside with a cooler, entertain fans, and ask for tips, all in hopes that the Cubs would one day hire him as their official mascot. He did this for years. The Cubs sent him a cease and desist. He ignored it. According to him, they offered him $15,000 to quit. He declined. But when a video of him punching someone in the face at a bar outside the stadium surfaced, the Cubs had enough. They sued him in federal court, the case was later settled, and Billy Cub, the fake Cubs mascot, was never seen again. But by far, the most notorious mascot crime was committed by Pirate Parrot, who found himself in the middle of a massive drug controversy. The Pittsburgh drug trials consisted of over a dozen Major League players testifying about their use of recreational substances during the 80s. During the scandal, it was revealed that the Pirates mascot, the Pirate Parrot, 
helped supply multiple players. After getting caught by the FBI, the pirate parrot cooperated and began wearing a wire to bust another team employee. His cooperation, along with others, helped the FBI arrest and sentence seven people to prison and cause as many as 14 major leaguers to admit their involvement. This scandal tore the league and the pirates apart. They ended up finishing last and were even considering moving cities immediately after the trial ended. The team ended up selling to a man who kept them in Pittsburgh, and due to his cooperation, the mascot ended up getting zero jail time. However, he was fired. But as frequently as mascots have found themselves in trouble off the field, they are even more likely to find it on the field. Just like Brutus, who was randomly attacked by another mascot in a premeditated ambush that literally took years to plan. In high school, the man in the Ohio Bobcat costume decided he hated Ohio State so much he was going to become the mascot of Ohio just so he could beat down Brutus on national television. By the time they played Ohio State, he had already dropped out of school, but was so committed to the attack, he attended the game anyway. As Ohio State started running onto the field, the Bobcat made a dead sprint towards Brutus, tried to tackle him, but Brutus got away. He then followed Brutus down to the end zone and blindsided him by jumping on his back and bringing him to the ground. He was then taken away by security. The attack went viral, but luckily for him, he faced no punishment from Ohio whatsoever because by the time it happened, he wasn't even enrolled in the school. But mascot on mascot violence is actually pretty common. The Oregon Duck and the Houston Cougar got into a small scuffle when the Duck blindsided the Cougar while he was doing push-ups. This seemed like all fun and games until they squared off later and the Duck took things a little too far. He was suspended one game. Police had to step in after Duke Dog kept Chauncey the Chancellor, causing him to tackle him that to the ground suspended twice. From mascot the Duke Dog tried to chase down Chauncey, yep. but the police prevented any further altercation. The Duke Dog was fired the next day. In 2008, Jazz the Jaguar confronted Eli the Eagle, took him to the ground, and beheaded him. Eli the Eagle threw a cheerleader out of the way to get revenge, but was taken down for a second time. Both mascots were ejected and suspended. But other mascots are not the only ones who hate opposing mascots. Manager Tommy Lasorda is perhaps the biggest mascot hater ever and was so much against them, he assaulted them on multiple occasions. The first incident was against the San Diego Chicken, now, this who did a relevant. recurring bit where he would stomp on the opposing team's hat. Lasorda saw the chicken do this and was so pissed after the game, grabbed him by the neck and said, yeah, next time you do it out on the field, I'm gonna grab you right here, and your eyeballs are gonna pop out. He even once got a mascot ejected after Yuppie dressed up in a nightgown and went to sleep on top of the Dodgers' dugout. This pissed off Lasorda so badly, he told him, he was so fed up with the mascot, he told on him, and had the umpire and security eject him from the game. But by far, the worst mascot abuse from Tommy Lasorda happened to the Philadelphia Fanatic, who brought out a stuffed pillow shaped as Lasorda onto the field and mocked him with it. Lasorda left the dugout to confront him, then stole his ATV. This caused the Fanatic to call him fat. Lasorda chased him down, pushed him down, took the pillow, and hit him with it. 
the Fnatic continued to mock him, which caused Lasorda to throw a baseball at his head. But it's not managers that have made mascotting more dangerous, it's the stunts which have been getting increasingly more risky for years. The Mariner Moose ran over outfielder Coco Crisp while riding his ATV. Crisp was uninjured, but Mariner Moose wasn't so lucky when after trying to ride on the back of an ATV with roller skates, lost control, and collided with the wall at full speed, fractured his ankle, and had to spend two nights in the hospital. Slider had a similar injury in the 1995 ALCS when he fell from the stands onto the field in the middle of a play. This was kind of funny at the time, but he tore every ligament in his knee. This, however, did not stop him from coming back the next day with a cast on. But it's one thing for a mascot to get injured while performing a stunt. When they get injured by an angry fan or player, that is significantly worse. This fan was dragged out of the arena after pouring his beer on the Utah Jazz mascot. The mascot got his revenge by throwing a bucket of water at him and he was dragged out of the arena again. This same mascot got into an even more dangerous altercation after he held up a sign calling a fan a loser. This led to pushing and an ejection. The mascot stole the fan's hat, he got free of security, charged him, and got completely destroyed by the Jazz Bear. These instances were both completely fake and staged. But this isn't always the case. In fact, this major leaguer was literally arrested after he assaulted a mascot in the middle of the game. And unfortunately, this kind of abuse isn't that uncommon. The Baltimore Orioles mascot had to spend a month in a wheelchair after he was allegedly pushed off a wall, fell 15 feet, and broke his ankle. He sued the man, won the case, was granted $59,000, and the Orioles gave him a uniform with a purple heart on it. In 1984, the Giants created a anti-mascot, which was specifically made to be hated. Unfortunately, fans hated him way too much. He was consistently pelted with trash by fans and even players, and eventually sued the Padres after two of their players thought it would be funny to push him down and assault him. He injured his back, never mascotted again, and won $2,000 in a lawsuit. But by far, the biggest mascot abuser was Randall Simon, who hit a girl dressed up as a yeah, sausage last one. while she was doing the sausage race in Milwaukee. This became a massive scandal and investigation. Police showed up to the victim's house, she was put on national television to tell her story, and Randall was arrested for battery. He was suspended and fined by the league and became one of the most hated players in the world. But the victim herself didn't wow. seem to blame him at all, said she got no injuries got the and thought he hit her with? it was quote, no hilarious. Yep. Randall ended up only having to pay $432. The victim was given a free vacation to his home country of Curacao, and she was even awarded with a certificate of bravery from the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. Now, not all mascots are bad, um, but Jake, what if I were to tell you that I used to be a professional mascot? Would you believe me? Only because you've told me already. <laughs> okay, well, let's pretend like you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, man. I wouldn't suspect that, no. So, well, for all, all you guys, I just wanted to publicly say I was a professional mascot. I'm, I'm like Iron Man when Iron Man's a... I am Iron Man, but I was, <laughs> so I was a professional mascot known as Deuce the Prairie Dog, who was named one of the most popular mascots in minor league baseball. The team I worked for 
was for as was a farm team of the Texas Rangers. Uh, they were called the Frisco Rough Riders. So if if any of our people have ever seen Deuce the Prairie Dog uh, at a game or have been to a Frisco Rough Riders baseball game, it, there's a likely chance that that it was me. And I was a mascot until I got hurt. But I put a montage together to show you guys me in action if you want to see. You want to see? Yeah, I do. But check it out. That's me. Got some moves right there. We have four mascots, surprisingly. And they even had a toy of me. Crazy. Check out these master mascot moves. So here's another skit I, I used to do quite frequently. So they bring out a dumbbell. So the kid gives me water, throw it back at him. Get all hyped up, and this kid just lifts it up. Okay, now remember this one, because I'm about to talk about this. I love this beat music. This is so popular back a couple years ago. Well, they. They did a whole thing about me tripping. Right there, that was the trip. Don't 
so that was me as Deuce the Prairie Dog, and um, now I had to I had to quit because I have I have back problems, obviously now. But I was tripped by a visiting team player when that video said that that mascots are some of the most abused performers. They're not kidding. I, I've had everything you could ever happen happen. Like I I've been because that mascot costume. If you can tell, I see out of the neck. And I had a, a drunk people are the worst. There was a drunk guy that grabbed me right by the face. And it was just, you know, being not such a nice guy. But anything that you could ever imagine probably happened to me. But the number one question I was always asked was, what is, this, what is it like being a mascot? And especially here in Texas. And I said, it's like, it's like wearing a... Uh, extremely heavy fur coat and 120 degree weather so that that's what being a mascot is like and then being abused and then having to do all these very you know you have to be very athletic to be able to do it and this is going to blow your mind what if i told you that my dad was a mascot oh wow in I his had 20s no idea. well he was uh on tour with alvin and the chipmunks he was dave who would go, Alvin? And uh, I'll send you that photo later so maybe you could import it in here. But I just thought that was super cool because I never knew that until later on. And then he said, hey, you know, I was a mascot. And then we started talking about it. And I was like, it's like a, a weird family tradition thing. Yeah. Where we're <laughs> like awesome. mascots. But I just thought that that was super interesting about the history of mascots, and I, I decided to just just come out and tell everybody I was Deuce the Prairie Dog. I wasn't allowed to say it when I was, but I was. <laughs> so I hope That's you guys enjoyed. That's the most I've ever I've ever heard about mascots and the stories behind you know what they go through. So thank you. That was really very interesting. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I hope you guys liked it too. So that's all I got for history this week. Uh, you got me some memes? Oh, yeah. Well, meme me up, man. Meme me up. All right. Uh, one of our news clips talked about uh, some of the things that go on with schools and homeschooling and... Uh, Here's homeschool moms explaining why they're out with their kids during school hours. <laughs> no, not to worry. I have a permit. I can do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes online conversations feel a lot like this, right? Me having a discussion. Okay, I respect your wrong opinion. I've had a lot of those lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, here's NASA after investing in outer space and inventing it. Printing those 20s, baby. Yep. 
Uh, here's an Ohioan getting stopped at a railroad crossing in 2023. Let's just pop this into reverse and back up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This one's uh, more of a, just a good reminder. Masculinity isn't toxic. The absence of it is. Weak men are abusive and spiteful, but strong masculine men are protective and loving. Mm -hmm. Now here's country music. Why country music makes plants grow. Must reach off button growing. <laughs> yeah, especially modern country. I love old country. Modern like country. Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings. They're all legends, but I don't know about this pop country. The new stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, people who believe there is a car in space, you know, the car that Elon Musk said looked so, so real it must be fake. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, trying to explain flat earth to them is like talking to a brick wall. Come on, guys. <laughs> First rule of uh, we don't talk about died suddenly club is. <laughs> died suddenly. Uh, that used to be one of my favorite movies of all time. But uh, for those of you who are not familiar is you don't talk about it. Mm -mm. And that's what the media says. <laughs> when someone tries to teach you a level one conspiracy but you've already passed level 666 and rescued the princess from the Illuminati. What are you talking about? I'm far beyond that. Uh, here's what if slugs are just divorced snails? Yeah, yeah. Michelle took the house. <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting. I mean, they, they are very similar. Robert asked the televangelist to pray for his hearing after three minutes of violently shaking and trying to push him over backwards. The preacher asked, how's your hearing? Robert replied, I don't know. It doesn't take place until Tuesday at the courthouse. <laughs> that photo is of Peter Popoff, the one that we exposed with James yeah. Randi. That's so funny. All right, last one. Here is how to defeat modern facial recognition. <laughs> <laughs> Take to, your face off. Yeah, it took a page right out of Pee Wee's book right there. Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. All right. That's all I got for this week, Jeremiah. Thanks for uh, laughing along. Man, thanks thanks for the great current news and for the great memes and your great feedback and for being such a great co-host. I don't think I say that enough, but thank you. And Opa, thank you for another great Opa's Corner and for being my best friend and for being such a good producer. And thank you at home for watching because... We couldn't do this show without you, and we love you guys. So uh, I hope you enjoyed episode 38, and we'll see you in episode 39. Stay tuned. If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon where you will get exclusive content, shout-outs, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. 
Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcast on your favorite podcast platform.